I'm excited about the word of the Lord. Amen. There's one thing I get excited about is when I open that book and begin to read the words of God. That's right. It is life. I have a hunger for the word of God. I seek and I strive every day to try to understand more about what he was speaking to us and what he's trying to speak to us in this day and age. Right. And I believe that we need a hunger after the word of God. Not just the preaching of the word, but ourselves to dig in there. To find what God has to say to us in our day-to-day lives. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go to a familiar chapter and verse. If you'd stand with me for the reading of the word. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 27. The premise here is that Jesus has been put through his trial and he has been condemned for doing no wrong. And he is on the cross. We're going to see a picture, an illustration of those moments. But I believe God has a plan and a purpose for every word that's in this book. Amen. If you have Matthew 27, say amen. Amen. Matthew 27 and 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. It's a sad day. When it takes an earthquake, when there's miracles being around all the time, for someone to realize that this is the Son of God. God is doing a work at this time and miracles on every turn that we come to. I believe God's going to do great healings. These are the last days and there's going to be great things poured out upon His people. But let's not wait until we are so full of fear that we realize that God... He's right where he's always been waiting for us. Let's take advantage of the time that we have now and believe that Jesus is able and ready to take us where he needs us to go. Amen. Amen. I want to preach, teach for just a little bit on this subject of going deeper. If you'll help me pray. Jesus, in your name. I call upon you, Lord God, to help me to edify the body of Christ. That I may lift someone up, O God, 
that we may go deeper in you, O God. Go deeper in your word. Go deeper in the way that we need to go. Lord, I praise you and I magnify you and I seek after you. Lord, let us all seek a deeper understanding of you. And we praise you in your precious name, Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 On the morning of January 23rd, 1960, two men, Jacques Picard and Lieutenant Don Walsh, set out on a mission of discovery. It was on this particular morning, 220 miles from the U.S. territory of Guam, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, that these two men would attempt to reach the bottom of the deepest point on Earth, the Challenger Deep. Maybe many of you know this story, but I find it so awesome. This particular area of ocean was discovered by the British Royal Navy survey ship, the HMS Challenger, in 1872, hence the name Challenger. At 36,201 feet deep, roughly seven miles down, the Challenger Deep is the deepest point on Earth. The pressure at this depth is 1,000 times greater than what we feel here at sea level. That's roughly eight tons per square inch of pressure pushed on any point. That's 16,000 pounds. It's comparable to an African elephant pressing on the area the size of a quarter. And to let you know, the human body is roughly 3,100 square inches. That's 3,100 elephants pressing on the human body. And these two men risked rough seas and faulty equipment and possible death to descend to this deepest point. And it was recorded at 9,400 feet down that they heard a loud bang as a window in a flooded compartment shattered. But since it did not affect their capsule, they continued on. And five hours later, they reached the bottom. Their mission was a success. They had made history. They had risked all and reached deeper than any before them. Jocks Picard and Lieutenant Don Walsh's willingness to reach the deepest depths propelled them to the highest heights. They had to go deeper than they had ever before in order to attain something great. And I believe the word of God and God is calling individuals to go deeper than they have ever gone before. He's calling us to reach to deeper depths in God and the places that he has for us than we've ever been before. God has a purpose for each one of us. And it's not to be content with the status quo. God is trying to make ways in our life that we can be a light to someone else, to impact our world, but we have to reach and we have to seek for something more. I was listening to a minister uh, just recently, and he, he gave an idea that I thought was just kind of revolutionary, and I just had never thought of it this way. But he says, in the church... If you have 16, 17, or 18-year-old young men that are hungry, that are seeking after the Lord, that are trying to understand theology and the Word of God, that oftentimes we will say, oh, God has a calling on your life, and He's pushing you. And what this man said was interesting. He says, why do we think that sometimes? 
When all they're really doing is doing what the definition of being a Christian is. They're seeking a deeper understanding of God. But yet we push sometimes them to go into ministry. And he, see, he made an example like this. He said, take any profession. And he, took, he, see, he used bricklaying as one. He said, if you get a new employee, and that employee's hungry to learn about bricklaying, and you go to a veteran that's had 20, 30, 40 years of experience doing bricklaying, and he goes up to him and says, you've been here so long and do it, and yet I want you to teach me. But that bricklayer says, no, you know, uh, I, I'm not qualified in teaching you exactly what I'm supposed to do. And his idea was that, that we as saints that have a lot of years experience in here will sometimes be afraid to teach the younger generation what's, what's right and what's wrong and why we believe what we believe. But he says this because, and this is what he said. He says that they are happy or content in their knowledge of God and that they're happy in spiritual mediocrity. But I don't believe that. What I believe is that we often lack confidence in our ability to explain what we know, to explain what we feel. It's not contentment that keeps us the same. It's fear of failing or fear of looking ignorant or fear of just falling on our face. It's not that we don't want to. It's that we're sometimes afraid to. But let me tell you, unless you try to explain, unless you try to reach out what God, try to explain what God's done, why he's done it in our lives, that we're, we're going to forever lack that confidence that we need to proceed further. Confidence is built by education and experience. So we've got to go deeper to get that confidence that we need. Paul encouraged a young man, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. And he told him, study to show thyself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But it wasn't just study. He had Timothy go with him for some time, teaching him the best way to go. And then when he was ready, he sent him on. But he admonished him to study, to go further. If you don't understand something, study, go deeper. If you are fearful of giving a Bible study, give one to your family or friends first as practice. Go deeper. In prayer, go deeper. In fasting, go deeper. In your giving, go deeper. There is no end to the depths of what where we can go in Lord if we'll just push a little further. Paul, after all his wonders, his miracles that he accomplished in his life through the power, the same power that's in each one of us, Said in Philippians 3 through 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I forget those things which are behind. The past victories are just that. They are the past. There are new victories and new directions that we need to go in the word of God, in the power of God. Go deeper. 
In Ezekiel chapter 9, God begins to take Ezekiel through Jerusalem in the Spirit. He begins to show him things that are wrong in Jerusalem, things that aren't right. He begins to show him evils that are going on. And what he tells the angels that were in, in Ezekiel's mind or his spiritual dream, he tells one, he says, Go and mark the foreheads of all the ones that are weeping and sighing at the evils that are taking place in Jerusalem. And he says that the other ones, I want you to wipe out. He said, but first, I want you to start at the house of God. In 1 Peter 4, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Judgment always starts at the top. It always starts at the house of God. Paul writes to the Ephesians in 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is no higher place than the house of God. And it's in this place that judgment will begin. Judgment will start with us, but why? Because it's here in the house of God that we receive all the blessings of God first. Jesus said in Luke 12, to whom much is given, much is required. It's here we receive mercy. It's here that we receive light for the darkness in our lives. It's here we receive joy for our sorrow, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's here there is peace that passes understanding. It's here there is hope for tomorrow. It's here that we find liberty. It's here where addiction is broken and relationships are mended. And it's here where we who are dead in sin are resurrected into abundant life. We are the first fruits of his creatures. And if judgment starts here, then let me tell you, salvation starts here. And if salvation starts here, sacrifice starts here. And if sacrifice starts here, then submission starts here. It's in submitting to the will and the word of God that makes us first in all things. In Genesis, Eve disobeyed her husband, which was a type and shadow of the man of God in her life. And in so, she tempts him, and then he disobeys the word of God, which brings transgression which brings sin into our world that we had to deal with, that we have to deal with daily. But can I tell you, before every sin, there is first an unsubmitted spirit. It's only in submission that we receive the victory. Young person, saint alike, if there is something that you keep needing, repenting over, and you can't get past, and you pray, and you feel like you've gotten the victory only to fall back into it again, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's because you have not submitted yourself first. We love the verse, James 4 and 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But we don't like the beginning of it. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God, resist the devil and he will flee. There is always a prerequisite to something that's going to happen in your life. You know, I, I make it, if there's someone, a bigger kid messing with your kid and you step outside the door. That guy looks around like he needs to find a hole that he can jump into because he doesn't want any part of the parent. And it's the same with God. If the devil is messing with you, 
You submit yourself first to God, and he's standing over your shoulder. And the devil looks up and says, oh, I don't want to mess with this person anymore. i got to take off. Right. Amen? If you want freedom once and for all, quit holding on to the little weight or sin that's tripping you up. Submit yourself to God. You know what it is you don't need or what, what you don't need in your life. You, have, you don't need a man of God to stand up here and tell you what's holding you back. Each and every one of us knows that little thing we hold to that is holding us back from getting what we need from God. Maybe it's a website. Or a standard you won't adhere to, or a relationship, or quite possibly a friendship. Whatever it is, put it down, walk away. Run away. Paul said, lay aside every weight and sin, and run with patience the race that is set before you. Run away from it. There are men and women here that are being called by God to do a work. But you are unable to move forward because of an unsubmitted spirit. Paul writing the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that we which live should not henceforth live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We cannot both feed the desires of the flesh and be in submission to the will of God. We have to choose one. We will love one or hate the other. That is the word of God. And we have to be submitted to God because it's in the power and the love of God that we find peace for everything that we go through in this life. Amen. And to the Galatians chapter 2, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live this flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Can I tell you that arrogance, the idea that I know better than God, is against submission. It is disobedience. I want his blessings, but I don't want his commandments. An unsubmitted heart will always always, always lead to transgression. You have to be submitted. You have to say, not my will, but thy will be done. God told Cain that if thou doest well, wilt thou not be accepted. You just got to do what's right. You got to obey to what God's commands are. But he says, if you don't, sin lies at the door. Sin will always lie at that door of unsubmission. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1 and 14, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The God of all creation, the God of heaven and earth, stepped down from eternity, and in the ultimate act of submission and humility became a man. And a man is just a little lower than the angels. And he did not come as an angel. He went lower than that. He became a man. And when he became a man, he humbled himself more. In Philippians 2, 5 and 8, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was obedient. He became a servant in obedience and submission and he became obedient even unto death. He didn't come as a rich man or a king. He came as a servant. And in humble submission went to that cross and counted, was counted with the other transgressors. In Matthew chapter 27 and 51, I read to you, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. This passage is mentioned in three of the four Gospels. And we understand that three is the number of completion. That means we need to pay attention when we read something multiple times. So when we read the veil was rent from the top to bottom, we got to understand that that was that doorway for the Holy of Holies. That was that opening that we could go now into God ourselves. But can I tell you, there's a, a deeper meaning here. The definition of submission is the act or, or yielding to a superior force or the authority of another. But I want you to understand, for the veil to be torn, that material had to submit to a force greater than itself. That is a, member, a mention of Jesus in, in all his glory. He submitted to a, God's authority in his life. And that's what we are to do. In order for Jesus to be broken, he had to first yield. In order to begin a work for God, you have to surrender to his will. In order to achieve freedom from that cycle of sin and repentance, you have to yield to a force greater than ourselves. That tear had to start at the top, and submission had to start with Jesus. Judgment and salvation starts with us. Can I tell you that when the veil was torn, the torn received power. When Jesus was broken, the broken received power. It's the torn and broken who fall down on their knees in submission, begging God and pleading with God that I will do anything I, that you want me to do as long as you get me far from this situation that I'm in. It's the torn and broken that will cry out. And they will humble themselves. James said it. He said, make yourself weep. Let your joy be turned to sorrow. Because it's in that breaking that you can humble yourself and God will lift you up. It's in our torn state that we understand just how powerless we are. And just how powerful God is. And it's at that moment that the power of God fills us and we begin to be lifted up. Think of Peter sinking in the waves. He got his eyes off of God. He began to sink. He realized he was in a desperate situation. And what did he do? He cried out to Jesus, save me. He understood that he was falling and sinking. He could not pull himself out. He needed something greater. He needed to submit to the will and the power of God. If you want to finish... What God has started in your life, you've got to humble yourself in complete submission. It's here that God will lift you up to sit in heavenly places. And he will give you the desires of your heart because your heart will be on the things of God. 
And I'm closing. And I know I'm speaking to someone who's tired of just spinning their wheels, taking one step forward, two steps back. God's calling on someone to relinquish their wants and their desires so that he can fill you up and lift you up. Know this, if your life truly belongs totally to God, you will give up your status, your position, and your rights. God must be all and in all in our lives. If you are going to pursue the will of God, you've got to take hold and submit yourself completely and wholly to God. Amen. If we could just stand for just a little bit. Their heads bowed, eyes closed. We've got to go deeper. There is a deeper point for each of us. I don't know what it is for you. Each person has their own battles they have to contend with and their own acts of submission they have to give into. But we don't have much time left. There are not many battles left. We have to take advantage and go as far as we can in the Lord. We may not attain, but we must be seeking after. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, just begin to reach out to God. Begin to seek after Him to understand we're an area of submission that you need to take hold of in your life. Where there's a point in our heart that we say, God, I'll give you all this, but I'm not going to give you the whole thing. It's only in complete and utter submission that God can move into our situation and He can move in our heart and mind. God's calling to somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost. We got to submit to ourselves, we've got to be true to God, we've got to hold to Him in all things. He's seeking for more from us. We have someone in our lives that needs to be touched by our words. We need to reach out to them, not in fear, but in hope and in knowing that Jesus has everything they need if we'll just speak up, if we'll submit to what He's calling us to do. There's a hunger in someone's heart to speak to somebody. God's calling them to speak to somebody right now. Heed His Word. Submit to His Word. He's going to show you how great He can be in your life if you will pursue. Young minister, don't hold back what you've been keeping from Jesus. If God's calling you, heed it. Do what's necessary. Study to show yourself approved. There are greater and deeper areas in God that we can go, each and every one of us. Lord, I praise you and I magnify your name. Lord, let us have a submissive heart. Let us give our lives and our hearts to you wholly and completely. Let us not hold anything back. Let us pursue you with all that we have and all that's within us. Lord, we know that you have everything under control. But Lord, we're afraid to let go of some things. Lord God, give us the strength to let go. Give us the strength to step out and go deeper than we've ever gone before.
Jesus, I praise you and I magnify you and I worship your name. Hallelujah. God, I praise you and I magnify your name. There's a blessing in submission. There's a blessing in submitting your life to God. You want a blessing from God, begin to submit yourself to Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But you got to first submit yourself to His will, His way. Then it will be added. Amen, amen. We serve a great God. And there's more that we can be achieving for Him. I know in this time and age, in this darkness that we live in, that it's fearful, that we don't know what to do, and we just sometimes just go back in a fog, not understanding that God's trying to do a work through us in this time. We're fearful for our family, for our friends, for our loved ones, but God is greater than anything this world can throw at us. And if we will submit to Him during this time, He's going to lift us up. Amen. We're going to be together in heavenly places. Amen, amen. We serve a great God. Please be mindful of our services this upcoming week. Um, be in prayer for the men at the men's retreat. It's not just fun and, and good times, but we do have a spiritual aspect that we try to meet and try to strengthen each other in the Lord. Amen. Amen. We serve a great God. Um, so grateful for our guests that are joining us. Um, Pastor will be here on Sunday. Um, and we're just going to keep having church. Keep believing God's going to do a work in our lives. Amen. Spirit's moving. Souls are coming in, and I'm grateful for it. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen.